really need to start doing this podcast closer to the air date. Because I was watching the Golden State Warriors game last night. Wait, you were watching sports? I was watching sports. You were you were taking in sports? <laughs> I was drinking and enjoying sports. Okay. Oh, that, well, that, Without that, the drinks, I don't know if I would that have enjoyed it. Yeah, that explains how you were able to get through this series. Mm-hmm. A-O. Which, w- which might be over by the time this actually airs. Oh, it'll so. definitely be over by the time this airs. <laughs> Again, it's a miracle I, the Cavaliers mm, even came close. I don't know. The league loves LeBron. The league loves LeBron. And we all know the NBA is rigged. <laughs> no one talks about it, but it's true. Absolutely. The Patrick Ewing <laughs> draft pick thing? I mean, yeah. Yeah. The NBA the is a is horrible rigged. league. What what people should be watching is the NHL series. Ah, the yes. Stanley Cup Finals is going on right now, and will also probably be over by the time you listen to this. <laughs> Welcome to the Aspiring Snobs podcast, a sports podcast, yes. obviously. Yes, yes. So congratulations to the Warriors when you inevitably win, and congratulations to the Penguins <laughs> and or Predators. Congratulations. Hang on, I'll do I'll do it both ways again. Congratulations, Penguins fans. <laughs> the magic of editing. Yes. Or, awesome job, Protodurs fans. <laughs> this is a big deal for Nashville. Yes. <laughs> it is. This would be their first professional sports championship, technically. Oh, yeah. good for them. Do they even have any other sports teams? Well, they have the Tennessee Titans. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They don't have a Major League Baseball team or basketball team. That's a, that's a confusing thing about football, because we're, we're Pats fans. But they technically belong to all Patriot, of New England. The New England Patriots, John. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, you said Pats, in case there, there's anybody listening to our sports podcast who does who don't know who the quote, <laughs> Pats, unquote, um, are. Um, Pats in the local nomenclature. Yeah. So with all this sports excitement going on, mm-hmm. we decided to do a sports movie. Absolutely. And also, let's lead this up at the top, also as a Father's Day gift to our father, we wanted to look at one of his favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to do a movie about a ragtag group of individuals. Okay? They're a little rough around the edges. They're a bunch of ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> And they don't take kindly to the rules. But it's a sport. Sport is all about rules. Ugh, the irony. But you know what? Their unorthodox methods help them get all the way to the championship. It propels them to success, yes. Exactly. And maybe they'll prevail. No, I'm not talking about the longest yard. No, I'm not talking about the bad news bears. No, I'm not talking about the replacements. No, I'm not talking about the mighty ducks. No, I'm not talking about D2, the mighty ducks. No, I'm not talking about the bad news bears. Go to Japan. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Slapshot. Oh, wait. Let me. Oh, shoot. Yeah, we are talking about Slapshot. Objection, Your Honor. Objection. <laughs> this is a different kind of sports movie. Oh, believe me. Because I will, I will say this. Actually, I guess we should, we should, we should put this in the context of the of the milieu of seventy sports movies. Okay. Because um, yeah, there was a time with a, I think um, when we grow up, like the stakes had to be higher. Mm-hmm. This is part of a few um, kind of smaller sports stories like um that didn't revolve around nhl nba major league baseball teams instead they centered around smaller leagues so north dallas 40 is about a semi-pro football team the longest yard is obviously about prisoners 
Um, there's a basketball movie called The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, obviously Pittsburgh doesn't have, yeah, obviously doesn't have an NBA team. So yeah, so like, like those other movies, Slapshot centers around a fictional minor league hockey team or semi-pro hockey team in the fictional federal league. But they are based on a real hockey team. This was yes. based on the Jets. Yeah, uh, t- a team called the Johnstown Jets. In this in this movie, they're the Chiefs, mm-hmm. which is racist. <laughs> Listen, John, it's a, it was a different time. Oh, yes. and oh, will we will we say that again and again? <laughs> <laughs> this movie is deplorable. It is I'm not gonna, deplorable. I, I'm just going to put that point that out. This movie is deplorable. It's not deplorable. If this were made today, the tagline well, no, would be, it would never get made today. <laughs> yeah, it would be, but the tagline would be "Make America Great Again." No, it because this hang is on, this takes on. this takes place in Trump USA. It, yes, because the town is the town is dying. <laughs> the town is a dying mill town. Mm-hmm. The factory ten thousand people have lost their jobs. Yeah, everyone's losing their jobs. The mm-hmm. only respite they get is hockey. Well, yeah, I mean, well, not, not even then. I mean, it's a pretty they're a pretty sparsely attended mm-hmm. team. At the very beginning, because they, are, as you <laughs> as you alluded to, they are a bunch of losers at the at mm-hmm. the very beginning of the of the movie. Yep. But John, they have. <laughs> so here's here's where here's where the movie wins its charms, okay? And it's classic okay. status. I think this is a classic sports movie, in spite of some you know rough, rougher elements we'll get to. <laughs> <laughs> this is a capital P problematic movie. Yeah. But what, some of the let's let's get some of the po- positive qualities. First and foremost, it stars Paul Newman. All American mm. Paul Newman. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, do, what? Who? Who is Paul Newman playing? So he's playing Reggie, the player coach. He's a he's a guy you know never made it to the pros and is a little past his prime. This is probably his final season, and the team is under threat of sale mm. or folding. Hmm. Hmm. This is this is far different than any other role we've seen <laughs> Paul Newman play. Exactly, it's playing to his strengths. A guy who's a little bit past his prime, but he's still got that cocksure attitude. And he thinks he can pull it out one more time. Absolutely. And no, he's not talking about the women he sees. <laughs> okay, so it's, he's playing He's playing a masculine ideal. Yeah. <laughs> or at least what in the mid-70s people thought was a masculine ideal. <laughs> but I think I think his kind of wily charms is kind of, his kind of like Bugs Bunny charms and um, the, 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 the solution he devises for the team's struggles is, um, is really endearing. And I yeah, think that's so, what helps. That's what helps propel this movie, even <laughs> even through some of the rougher bits. <laughs> so, obviously, the team is not well attended. They're not very good. Mm. So he devises a scheme to basically turn the sport into a sideshow. They're now going to be focused on fighting and being really aggressive, and just kind of turning it into a blood sport. Yeah. Well, that starts and, with the general manager signing of a of a of a trio of brothers called the Hanson Brothers. <laughs> Uh, yes, and the they get a lot of comic mileage out of these three, I will admit. Yeah. <laughs> Just visually, they're these three guys with big 70s quaffs and Coke bottle glasses. Mm-hmm. Who are very uh, dim, but very <laughs> eager and ready, and ready to play That's no not the what. words they use in the movie. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you'll... you'll we'll, get, we'll get to the vocabulary of this movie later. But yes, I, I, they, you can see... If you've, if you've never heard of the Hanson Brothers, you can see a lot of people still have a lot of affection for them. And, pl- and plainly so, because they are <laughs> they are very dim-witted, but also very eager to get on the ice and have just, just this positive attitude in spite of how violent and crazy they are. One of my favorite visuals in the movie is they're unpacking mm-hmm. at their hotel room, and their uh, suitcases are full of toys. Yes. Just to give you an indication of their level of intelligence. Yes. And what's also great is they kind of, like, 
when the coach is trying to like fire everybody up, everyone's quietly listening, but they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> knock him dead, yeah. And it doesn't even matter what the coach is saying. He could be like, you know, downtrodden. He could be talking about someone else, and they're still like, yeah, yeah, crush him. Skate hard tonight, guys. Yeah. The first few games, they they don't, they don't even get a shift in. Mm-hmm. But they're st- they still got this positive attitude, and when they finally do, <laughs> again another great side gag. They do a sign in the cross before <laughs> before leaving the locker room. You know, little stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot of visual humor. Yeah. Uh, like again, the best visual of the whole movie is even before a game starts, they instigate a fight. Yes. And so it smash cuts to the playing of the national anthem, and you just see these, th- and it's just these three guys just bloody with their glasses, just like standing honoring America. <laughs> And the referee, you know, midway through the song, like, rolls up to him and goes, like, I'm watching you guys out there, nothing, and he yells back, I'm trying to listen to the fucking song. <laughs> exactly. Great jokes in this comedy movie, huh? Yeah, very much, mo- yeah. I've, okay, yeah. <laughs> to an extent. no one to stop it because there are no officials on the ice. What has come over the Charlestown Chief? Three of you guys, you put one thing, you're out of this game. Now I run a clean game here. I have any trouble, I'll suspend you. I'm listening to a fucking song. Can I can I bring up another positive aspect of the movie? The editing. Yes. Because you you mentioned that smash cut from a from a from a brawl during warm-ups mm-hmm. to the playing of the national anthem. There's a lot of that in the movie. I think that's why I in in rewatching it, I noticed the they they credit the editor second. They give the mm-hmm. title, and the first person to come up in the opening titles is the editor. Yeah, I mean, because direction-wise, it's not particularly flashy. It's pretty straightforward. But it gets a lot of good visual humor out, again, those smash cuts and just kind of, like, pitch-perfect timing. Yeah, and also the, just the way the story moves. I mean, this is a two-hour movie, but it never it never felt like that. I was actually... No, no, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, I watched, I watched it on my computer, and I scroll the mouse over, and, I'm, and it pulls up the bar. I'm like, wait a minute, like, we're already this far in the movie? <laughs> Like that's never happened before. I feel like that that Onion article where the, the headline was "Cripes, there's 50 minutes more in this movie," <laughs> but that never happens here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a great movie, and uh, it's great. You know, you should go watch it. Check it out now. Uh, <laughs> what, John? What are you saying? <sighs> All right. All right, you, you obviously alienated 30% of America when you said this is the MAGA movie. <laughs> it does have a lot of MAGA elements. Oh, hang on. No, it it's one, not a nationalistic right. movie. Be honest. Yes. And be, at one point, they're getting on the bus. They just bailed the Hanson brothers out, and there is a Nazi biker welcoming them. Yeah. <laughs> so, see, this was before the Blues Brothers, and the Nazis were seen as villains again. <laughs> but, yes, I can understand maybe in 1977, it was funny, the idea, they have a booster club. Mm-hmm. Um, these fights and the, and the new attitude of the team generates a lot of interest. And so one of their one of their stalwart fans, you never hear him speak or anything. It looks like is a guy in like an SS uniform. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, they definitely, uh, you know, which again, I I think was supposed to be an ironic gag in the in 1977. Obviously, in the year 2017, 40 years later, not going to play. Yeah, and again, like obviously, he's encouraging all this fighting. He's encouraging all this violence. So obviously, you're going to attract a certain clientele. And so I don't think that was their intention, but yeah. <laughs> so their fans tend to be, you know, these ruffians, these biker types. Mm-hmm. And you even see, like, even before the games, they're even fighting amongst themselves. Like, they're really just, you know, a lot of pent-up aggression. Yeah. But you also have the personality of Ned. Ned yeah, is the so kind the, of... foil, the foil to Reggie and his, and his desire to basically create this side, this sideshow circus is a is a player named Ned Braden, who's a college boy. Ah, yes, college educated. Yeah. Boo, boo, <laughs> boo. John, again, it was a, it was a different time. <laughs> college only cost like five hundred dollars back then. I know. <laughs> but why would you do that when you had a job at the beauty salon or <laughs> the mill waiting in the wings? Exactly. There's good money there, and it'll never go away. Yeah. So Ned doesn't care for the whole sideshow element that the game is turning into. He likes to play. Straight. No. He's yeah, he's younger, he's obviously he's not a he's not an aggressive hockey player. It's much more idealistic. Mm-hmm. That too. Maybe a little and, cerebral too. Yeah. And there's and well, there's questions on um on why if he does have this college education, why he's schlepping it on this uh, minor league hockey team. Exactly. And he's even got a wife who he's kind of dragged to the small little town and she's miserable there. Yes, and he, and obviously medicating with alcohol. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I feel about this subplot. Neither do I. It feels like short shrift a little bit, doesn't it? It does. I like the I like the performance. So his wife his wife's name is Lily, mm-hmm. and she's played by Lindsay Krause. And I think she does like she does like convey a real modeling sense. Like you really get a sense of her of her of her anxiety and her and her despair in the small dying town. But yeah, you see you see her husband treat her horribly. <laughs> You see, there's yeah. no like real until I guess until the very end. Like we see, there's no reconciliation. We don't see we don't see that plot progress. Instead, we just see her in her in a modeling way, just you know, sucking down booze and living out of a van. Exactly. And so yeah, I wanted some progression there. There's one point in the story where Reggie tries to cheer her up, or you know, try well, to he tries try to, to get, get her away. out of there. Yeah. He's like encouraging a divorce. Yeah. Because he's kind of gone through the same thing. He cho- he had to choose between his wife and hockey, and he chose hockey. Mm-hmm. He's still kind of on good terms with his wife. Yeah, who's but who's a beautician in town? Exactly. But uh, you know, he's like trying to save Ned and Lily from what eventually happened to him. And also, it kind of implies that he's kind of trying to separate them to get Ned angry enough that he's actually going to fight. Yeah, uh, or obviously he wants him. He wants Ned to join in at the circus sideshow, the aggressive fighting style of play, <laughs> mm-hmm. which Ned refuses to do. Yeah. I guess, I guess, yeah. They're kind of straining likability at some points. Yeah, Again, exactly. as much as I like, as much as you admire Paul Newman, and um, yeah, I do like. I did identify with this Ned character because you, you and I are cerebral <laughs> guys. When I played hockey, I, I, I was, I was like him, you know, not an aggressor. <laughs> so yeah, I can see this. This subplot is not great, or at least well developed. I mean, maybe we could devote yeah. a little more time to it. But again, this, this, this whole movie's a circus, so I can see why they didn't, <laughs> they didn't devote a lot of time to pathos or. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 very much a lark, this movie. Yeah. And it's not that I hated it, but I really wasn't enjoying myself for most of it. I was just kind of like phasing in and out. You know, it's like one of those movies that's just kind of like, 
you, it just kind of happens in front of your eyes. And, you know, again, it was like, it was bothering me how deplorable it all was, you know, how, you know, well, Trumpy I, it it's not, the, over, overall, it isn't deplorable, but there yeah. are some, there are some unseemly aspects to it. I was right. gonna. I was gonna get to. I was gonna get to its view of sexuality. <laughs> well, which again okay. I missed. I missed when I first watched this when I was fourteen, fifteen years old, and you know. Yeah, there's a lot of f bombs dropped, and not those kind of f bombs. No, the, the you know gay kind. Yes. <laughs> the first. The first one that made me cringe um, when they're introducing this kind of aggressive fighting style of play. Paul Newman distracts the opponent's goalie by calling his wife a d word. Mm-hmm. Which again, I don't and know. I don't know why the goalie implica- was so upset. Yeah. You know, you think you think you'd enjoy that, but anyway. And there's this weird implication, like, oh, if your wife's a lesbian, that must mean you're gay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, oh, it's less to do about her and more to do about what it says about you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I, so I don't want to mention Paul Newman gets gets the contact information from the owner out of the general manager because mm-hmm. he caught him cross dressing. Yeah. And accuses him of being a, a gay. <laughs> And then uh, Paul Newman eventually meets the owner of the team. Yeah. And, like, when he gets pissed at her, he claims her son might be gay. Yes. So it's... As, like, as if that makes her less of a mom or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Yeah. So, okay, so these... Listen, there's there's some mouse turds in our lovely cake here. <laughs> I will admit that. You and your food metaphors. Can't, I oh, just, why can't you just eat before you go to the, do the podcast? <laughs> because when we record this, it's right before lunch and I'm hungry. <laughs> Can I you think of a better want, analogy? I want to do a podcast where you're you like stuffing you your face thing with mouse turds in it, so that's a bad analogy. Because <laughs> we're not saying you shouldn't see this movie. Again, I love this movie. Or at least the 15-year-old version of me loves this movie. <laughs> well, okay. We've talked about all the deplorable aspects. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how this is about like manly men with a lot of pent up aggression. We've talked about how they, you know, have a very masculine vo- view of sexuality. Well, but then at the climax, it completely flips it on its head, <laughs> and I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I guess we should say you kind of checked in. Um, in rewatching it, I found what it, where I really love this movie is in the last twenty minutes or so. Oh, absolutely. Because that's also where the funniest gags come up. First, um, so it's the championship game. The opponents have replaced all their regular players with goons. Mm-hmm. And the introductions there are hysterical. <laughs> well, so, uh, hold on. A little, a little, a little, a little context. Mm-hmm. This is going to be their last game. That you too, know, yeah, throughout the whole yeah. movie, it's implied that it's like, oh, you know, because we've got we've turned this into a sideshow, we're winning again. Attendance is like quadrupled. Like now we've got a shot to kind of continue in the league. We might get sold to Florida. You know, there's a chance that we might continue playing hockey. Yeah. Florida, and then, Florida being like heaven in 1977. You know, not realizing, <laughs> little realizing in the days uh, before the again, internet. Yeah, uh, are they going to play at Mar-a-Lago maybe again? <laughs> Trump. John, you're you're bringing the political aspect. They wouldn't know this. This movie's forty years old. What do you want out of it? <laughs> but it, then it turns out it all falls through. The town is going to fold. This team is going to fold. The, the owner will not sell the team because it's it's more financially advantageous for her to just fold the team instead of sell it. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to be their last game. It's yes. the championship game. They've made it, but it's like, what's the point? And so. Paul Newman resigned, just kind of says, like, you know what, screw it. Let's just play it straight. Let's play this like a classic hockey game. Old time Ed Shore hockey. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's great because the handsome even the handsome brothers come around. It's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah, because they're they're so they're just eager young young. Even men, though John. they're goons, they're very agreeable. Yeah. <laughs> They'll do anything. 
And so uh, in the final game, they're fight. They, you know, they're like getting their asses kicked because again, they want to play it straight. But well, you know, they're, well, they're I playing wanted, to, I wanted to bring up the 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 opponents have replaced their regular roster with a series of goons. Yeah, again, because now the other team is like, oh, you want a bloodbath? We'll give you a bloodbath. Yeah. And that, that to me, I had forgotten how hysterical the introduction of these goons are. Because <laughs> the announcer's like, um, this this player was so violent, he got deported to Canada, and Canada, Canada refused to give him back. <laughs> or take him back. <laughs> Andre Poodle Lucier defense! Andre, of course, has been living in semi-seclusion in northern Quebec ever since the unfortunate Denny Pratt tragedy. Not Poodle! And from mile 40, Saskatchewan, where he now runs a donut shop, number 15, former penalty minute record holder of the Federal League for the years 1960 to 1968, inclusive, Gilmore Tunnel. Oh, gee, hold the phone. Oh, this is an unscheduled surprise. It's him. On this young man has had a very trying rookie season. What with the litigation, the notoriety, his subsequent deportation to Canada, and that country's refusal to accept him, well, I guess that's more than most 21-year-olds could handle. Who killed him? Ogie Oglethorpe! They start getting uh, pummeled. Mm -hmm. The crowd is obviously disappointed. The general manager into the locker room. <laughs> and unbeknownst to them, there are actually NHL scouts there, which, yeah, the, which, is, my, which is my favorite gag. <laughs> Paul, Paul Newman turns around and is like, scouts, jump cut to, now they're bumbling the opponent. <laughs> exactly. Now they're back to their horrible style of play. <laughs> Except for Ned, who obviously has refused this whole time to participate in the fighting, but mm -hmm. his girlfriend arrives with Paul Newman's ex-wife. Yep. Uh, and she's Paul looking Newman's... pretty, she's gotten her perm, and, yep. you know, Paul Newman's prettied her up, yeah. She's, you know, she's ready to leave the town, and she's ready to kind of move on with her life. Mm -hmm. So this is really Ned's last chance to woo her. It's it's funny you took it that way. You took it a positive way. I t I took it negatively. Like you know, the only way to win your man back is to get pretty. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's implying that she's leaving her man. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna get dolled up because now I gotta try again. I'm yeah. hitting the dating pool again. Yes. Okay. It's not it's not like she's trying to win back her man. She's leaving him, Craig. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So what's he gonna do? He gets out on the ice and starts dancing, <laughs> and starts gracefully. Almost balletic. Starts doing <laughs> Almost circles. balletic, John. It is balletic. <laughs> it's beautiful. And then he starts stripping. He takes his jersey off and then starts slowly doing a strip tease. Yep. The band. His... There's a band there. They start playing the stripper. <laughs> <laughs> starts, you know, tantalizingly taking off his pads mm -hmm. and, you know, like turning it into a little show. And, you know, the ladies in the crowd are going, woo! And the men are having a fun time. And... And uh, you see all the hockey players are like pummeling each other, but they're all slowly starting to realize what he's doing. And uh, what's the what's the main what's the captain's name on the Bulldogs? Oh, the McCracken. McCracken. McCracken sees what's going on, immediately goes to the ref and goes like, "What are you doing? You're allowing this to happen? <laughs> this ain't a sideshow. This is hockey." <laughs> yes, he's covered in blood. <laughs> it's been about, I'm presuming about 20 minutes of fighting before this. But now this, this strippies, that's a disgrace. <laughs> exactly. That's a disgrace to the game. And again, you know, all the gay jokes, all the homophobia, again, gets brought back full circle. Yeah. And it's like, oh, all the fighting was perfectly acceptable. All the bloody nastiness and aggression was perfectly acceptable. But anything sexual, especially involving a man, ew, pick up the children. <laughs> I'm turning. Who knew this? John, this is... Who knew it would touch on, on the cultural zeitgeist? 
how our popular culture will accept uh, deplorable violence, but <laughs> just a hint of sexuality, and we and we avert our eyes. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's brilliant. Yeah. But it it it's it's tricky for me because it's like okay, it's an hour and a half of like kind of middling setup for a brilliant finale. So in my head, it's like, how do I grade a movie like that? Well, I'll tell you how. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Again, the, the, the brilliant final 20 minutes certainly <laughs> certainly makes up for whatever horrible gay or sexist jokes you make in the... <laughs> well, yeah, because it's intentional. You yeah. realize that it's like, oh, it, it was purposeful. And again, it's like, it's, it wasn't encouraging it. What, what it's meant to do is flip it on its head. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's like, how, mm, how do we square this? Does that make it all worthwhile? Yes. You know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in your head it does, but <laughs> yes. for me, for me, I'm a little more ambivalent. Okay. Yeah. So for you, maybe like a little uneven, like if it, yeah, if exactly. it had carried through maybe that whole plot line. Ah, uh, yes. My favorite catch-all criticism. It felt uneven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, yeah, maybe if it carried, maybe if it carried through that whole plot line, you could see. Well, John, well, uh, what I also like, John, you, you joked earlier that this is a typical rags to riches, you know, sports movie. Mm-hmm. I guess we should probably mention that McCracken actually hits the ref, and that that immediately causes their forfeiture, and that's yeah. how the Chiefs win the game. And win the <laughs> they don't win based on outscoring or outplaying; they win based on a technicality. Yeah. So that so that I liked. Again, it has nothing to do with the the skill of the game or anything like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> or characters really learning anything. So that's that's why I also <laughs> admire this this sports movie for being just a tad atypical. Yeah, I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. And they, everyone does get their happy ending. They end up moving to Minnesota. And so they can continue to play. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah well, but, yeah. Not um, in one moment of incredulity. They, so they're at their, uh, they're having their victory parade. But that's when <laughs> that's when Paul Newman's wife just happens on the parade route. <laughs> you think they would have closed the streets? <laughs> yeah, she's got she's got her trailer hooked up, and she's leaving, and mm-hmm. she just happens to ha- need to take the parade float to get out the parade route. Yeah. And that enables Paul Newman to say, like, hey, we're going to Minnesota, and you know, why don't you come with? And she says, no, I'm going to take my new job on Long Island, and you know. Mm-hmm. Want to see around sometimes, so yeah, not a not a perfect, you know, hundred percent happy ending, but but you know, hey. I, again, the movie the movie just works for me in spite, in spite of those uh, in spite of those dated elements. I won't say deplorable, but dated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, I can't decide because yeah, like it's ninety minutes of setup and then a great finale when you realize, oh, that's what this movie was trying to do. Mm-hmm. But does that make up for it? I don't know. Um, well, no. Uh, well, here's the here's the general gist I get is that it's all it's all entertainment. Like even sport, like obviously we elevate sports to this great, you know, athletic competition. Uh, but to me, it it is it is still just entertainment. It is kind of silly entertainment that doesn't really affect our daily lives. Mm-hmm. As much as I love the the Patriots or whatever, like whether they win or lose the Super Bowl, you know, doesn't <laughs> doesn't affect my job on Monday or it's you all know, just bread and circuses. Exactly. And the, circuses. Yeah. The 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 live you lead, the lives you lead. So so yeah. So I just took it as like a general silliness, and so like. Again, whatever you want out of hockey, it's just entertainment. Whether you want the the physicality of like skating and and expert stick handling, or just violence, or <laughs> whatever you want out of it, or yeah, just whatever you want in a movie, it's just it's just entertainment. So, okay, that's the whole that's the whole through line that I got, and maybe that's why I can admire the whole movie, whereas you whereas you don't like the first ninety minutes and then admire that final twenty. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I didn't like it; it's just kind of like middling for me. Because okay. again, I, I like the Hansons. The Hansons are obviously very funny. I love the announcer. I think the announcer's a great character. Because yeah. <laughs> again, he's like trying to be a professional sports announcer, but he's dealing with all these like moose. <laughs> yeah. 
at one point, uh, Paul Newman puts a bounty on a, another player, and there's several scenes where the announcer's trying to wrestle. What's the announcer's name again? Oh, shoot. Well, he's played by... Jim Carr. Jim, Jim Carr is the yeah. announcer, Yeah, as played by uh, Andrew Duncan. Mm-hmm. And there's several scenes where he has to wrestle the mic away <laughs> because, you know, the FCC is not going to be happy with the standards <laughs> that this you know, radio station is playing with. No. And and again, sets up because the very first scene is um, he's doing an interview with the goalie, mm-hmm. who's not a very bright guy. And you can kind of see the mental acuity of the team, <laughs> of the Charlestown Chiefs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't know if I can give it a hearty recommendation because, again, in my head, it's still just an average sports movie. Despite Gosh. that brilliant finale, and again, the themes that it's playing with, I, it's still just not enough for me to elevate it to classic status. Okay. Well, I hope you're listening, Dad, because um, I love this movie. <laughs> Dad, will you and, still uh, love me? Will you still love me after this? I know, yeah. So um, just uh, just you know, make a note of which son actually appreciates and, and admires what you like, Dad. <laughs> and so I, I can give this a hearty recommendation, even though, yeah, in 20, it's, it's not made for 2017 anymore, I don't think. Well, we can only hope with the continued straight-to-DVD sequels. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> we should probably mention, yes, there were two straight-to-DVD 25 years later. <laughs> the exact perfect Not a moment too soon. Yes, they I know. Came, they came out with two sequels. One starring Adam Baldwin, because Paul Newman obviously probably wasn't available. <laughs> Who do we get to replace Paul Newman? <laughs> mm. Which Baldwin brother should we get? <laughs> I mean, they're still around, but they're, they haven't gone anywhere. Although my computer doesn't have a DVD um, player anymore, so I don't see. Yeah, <sighs> they're trying to phase them out. You can't, but all those extra features. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't you want to listen to the slap shot too? Commentary, you know, commentary track <laughs> from Stephen Baldwin and the director, whoever. What's his face? <laughs> I want to hear him start a bit. Speaking of, yeah, I said I said what's his face because I assumed the director was of Slapshot Two was a man. I forgot to mention. Slapshot is written by Nancy Dowd, a lady <laughs> who has done a great many things, I'm sure. She has. She's she uh, was nominated for an Oscar, not for this movie, obviously, but <laughs> uh, for the movie Coming Home. Oh, okay. Yeah, the post-Vietnam War drama. Gotcha. Yeah, so she did some stuff. Don't don't mm. d- don't judge her. All right. I'm just you know I just never heard of her before. Okay. Just making sure. That's Nancy Dowd. Go look her up and call her if you like, and just tell her what a wonderful <laughs> job she did with Slapshot. <gasps> She's from Framingham, Massachusetts. Heyo. A local gal. But they do actually name drop the Boston Bruins at one point, so Absolutely. maybe that's why. As well they should. The best hockey mm-hmm. team. The, yes. Well, <laughs> they're not in the... In, ge- in general. You know. <laughs> they might not win every year, but they no. win your heart every year. Certainly, yes, certainly not every year. <laughs> they do win your heart. Well, well John, let's... How about, how about Speaking this? of open hearts. Yes. Let's... How about this? How about let's, let's, let's fast forward to 2017 again. We're back. We're back. We're in a more enlightened age. Mm, well, Trump is the president, so <laughs> in spite of, in spite of some hiccups here and there, yes. <laughs> and so, John, let's let's see an enlightened movie. Let's see a new movie. How about that? 
Yes, for this week's Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Let's do a recent release. Because the, uh, this past week, me and Greg both went to the theater, and we saw Wonder Woman. <laughs> That'll never not be fun. No. I hope I, I can never get sick of that. I can never get sick of somebody saying Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, spoiler alert, there is no Linda Carter cameo in no. this movie, unfortunately. And I'm thankful for that, actually. Oh, really? You yeah, think those cameos hate, are distracting? I'm getting sick of these like Stanley cameos in all the Marvel movies. Mm. I think that's uh, I think that's one of the things that DC is trying to do is set them apart from Marvel. You know, instead of doing a distracting Stanley cameo or an Adam West cameo, it's like, eh, why have fun? So let's just you know <laughs> make these. Hang on, <laughs> that you're you're setting expectations for Wonder Woman. But at least you're you're putting a cloud over Wonder Woman. I guess we should say this movie carries a lot of cultural weight with it, which I think is a, a tad unfair. Yes, because DC is trying to do a cinematic universe, much like their rival Marvel, and mm-hmm. so far have yet to put out a good movie. So, well, more than that, John, they've they've yet to put out a movie centered around a woman yet. I guess that's true. Yes. Yeah. So this is the f- first big superhero movie centered around a lady. Excuse me, you're forgetting Canon Films Supergirl. <laughs> That's a TV show, John. Oh, you're right. The 84 movie. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> go watch Go watch that one if you want a good laugh. <laughs> Not intentional. bored course. out of your mind, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't also forget Catwoman. That classic. That's a super villain. That's different, okay? She's like an anti-hero. No, she's a new... No, John, she's a new superhero. Because she gets magical cat powers. <laughs> that old chestnut. Mm-hmm. There's also Elektra. Jennifer Garner. Oh, perfect! Yeah, a sequel to everyone's favorite Daredevil. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, this is the first. This is this is the first big chance mm-hmm. to see a female superhero on the screen, and I thought it turned out great. Uh, I'll give it a triple. I don't think they knocked it out of the park, but <laughs> okay. I mean, well, it's well, okay. it's, it's unfair. Uh, tri- John, a triple's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's still very good. It has again lowered expectations because again, it's coming from DC. John, but what yeah, say- actually, what are you saying about really Suicide Squad? What are you saying? <laughs> Uh. <laughs> it's better than Batman. I'll I'll give it that. Batman v Superman. Colon. Yeah, you should say yeah. <laughs> That'd be which, the which full title. Batman yes. movie you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, we're talking about cultural weight. Batman and Superman have both had about seven movies each before Wonder Woman, the the, the the part of the trio of the Justice League, gets her own movie. Exactly. She's you know they call him the Big Three, and this is her first version in this in a movie. Yeah. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. Her first venture. Yeah. And if, mm-hmm. Or at least and a movie centered around her. And it's quite good. Yeah. I thought I liked it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Even casting aside, like, oh, this movie's important for a, f- a feminist cause or something like that. No, it, it's a very good superhero origin story. Mm-hmm. Anything and on that basis, and, and I think for any any movie in the subgenre, the subgenre of a subgenre, mm-hmm. it's very good. Well, I mean, part of the reason why it works is because it remembers why superheroes are superheroes, which is they're meant to be an exemplar of goodness and humanity mm-hmm. and that's where obviously batman v superman and suicide well suicide squad they're meant to be anti-heroes that's the whole point but you know with batman and superman it's like this whole juggling act of like oh are they vigilantes like oh who chooses to watch the watchman blah 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 <laughs> you know this one is it's it's a breath of fresh air because again it remembers that oh she has these superpowers and she chooses to use them for good and she has a uh, innate hope in humanity. Yeah, her her general attitude is towards helping people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> which again, which again is great. <laughs> That's kind of refreshing because it it 
I'm comparing it to, again, you mentioned this is part of a larger cinematic universe, mm-hmm. and this is an origin story within that universe, and Marvel has already done this three, four times now. <laughs> exactly. So I, I obviously want to compare it to those movies, and I think this one is slightly better because it starts from that place. Mm-hmm. It starts from the place of a of a of somebody with a super ability wanting to do good, mm-hmm. um, whereas all the Marvel movies start with just an average selfish person <laughs> <laughs> who has to learn to you know not be so selfish. And oh yeah, like maybe in a personal dust up, you might have to save some people in between. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and also it's it's dealing with very heady ideas, which I don't think it totally successfully handles. But again, like her mission in this is literally to stop war. The concept of yeah. war. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're as heady as what maybe Batman and Superman was trying to get at. With, mm-hmm. But or it, I think it articulates those ideas better. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. we should probably explain, this movie starts on on the like island of Amazonia. The island is called Themyscira. Themyscira, excuse me. Yes. I'm, I'm much more of a comic expert than Greg. Yeah, clearly. Not because I'm a nerd, but because I'm scholarly. <laughs> exactly. You read, no, John, you're a graphic novel expert. Exactly. Thank they're, you. They're not comics, they're graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Excuse me while I, while I take but a puff any, on my yes, pipe. But in any event, it starts with this, this class or the society of female warriors. And so the, the, I like how that, that whole world is, is established, the whole world and the attitude that they live by. Yeah. It's a bit, of, so an, that, that it's a bit of an exposition dump at the beginning. Because this yeah. is this is of Greek origins, and they have to explain. Oh, Zeus created us so we could fight against Ares, and you know, blah blah blah. But what's nice is it doesn't get bogged down in the actual origin of Diana, aka Wonder Woman. You know, she mentions her origin story is like, oh, I was formed from clay, from you know, my mother. That's what yeah. you do <laughs> on this island of immortal female Amazon warriors. <laughs> yeah. Well, she also wants to be a warrior herself, but <laughs> obviously, this being this being an origin story, her parents are against it. <laughs> Or at least her mother's against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for reasons we'll come back to later. <laughs> um, but I like that whole... Again, it's a, it's kind of a new... It's a whole new world, and they establish it very well. Yeah, but then uh, the world kind of... Not exactly comes crashing down, but an outside force comes crashing in, in the form of Chris Pine as Steve Trevor. Yeah, and not a, a world... I thought it was a World War One pilot. Sorry, he's a World War One spy. An American working for British, which I didn't understand. It made me think they wanted a British actor and just couldn't get him. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's confusing. Um, Wonder Woman is a World War Two era hero, but cinematically, World War Two has been done to death, and this has been... This in addition, has, on the, on the in a superhero context with Captain America. Like, uh, the first adventure. It's already been done, yeah. Which... You know, comparing the two, I think this is a much more successful movie than Captain America the First Avenger. Because Captain America the First Avenger, for all its kind of good qualities, I think kind of sanitizes World War Two a bit too much. Okay. It's a it's a it's a movie where no swastikas are shown. Um he's got like uh. a Benetton Scooby gang of multiracial, <laughs> you know, a group of soldiers that he fights with and then also they're fighting with like laser guns and flamethrowers and it's just yeah, it's it's not a very nice depiction of World War Two, or at least accurate. I mean, yeah. it's a comic book movie, like, what do you expect? Well, to be fair, yeah, to be fair, it's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, to be fair to Wonder Woman, she also has a, a ragtag group of <laughs> diverse multi, multi-ethnic soldiers that assist her on her, on her, on her battles. Yeah, but what I like but these about... Are, these seem much more well-characterized. They're much more well-characterized, and what I like about this movie is it doesn't shy away from the realities of war. We do get a few scenes with, you know, people displaced, and we yeah. do see dead bodies occasionally, and it's like, 
it, or people like you know really deeply affected by war. I mean, when she's on a boat going to the European theater, the people coming off are like have limbs missing and exactly it's, it's shell shock and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, you know, it's it's again that whole problem that DC has, which is adult versus mature. And I think this is dealing with some like kind of adult themes like war and you know showing them and not trying to sugarcoat it or i mean you know to a certain well handle you know, more maturely and exactly and gracefully. to yeah. you know within the grounds of a pg-13 movie but still yeah. i yeah i again i'm not sure if i like that in my in my fantasy movies but you know <laughs> i thought for there it could be a little uneven because there's that word again uneven <laughs> the catch-all criticism yep we should probably we should probably say my favorite part of the movie and i think it's your favorite part of the movie is when she does leave for her island mm-hmm and actually get to London and the European theater. Because first we see a little fish-out-of-water fish story. Oh, yeah, and that's the big kind of comic moment where she's trying to adapt to, you know, a very patriarchal lifestyle. Yes. You know, she's like... You and know, when like, you say big, it's not, it's not silly, though. No, no. But it's, it's very overtly comic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, like like, she's wearing a big Victorian dress, and she's, she's like, trying, how am I yeah, supposed to fight it. in this? <laughs> <laughs> She tries. Then she comes out of the department store with her sword and shield. Exactly. <laughs> like looking, looking for a fight. <laughs> well, then it also becomes very serious because there's a moment where she's in the war room with all the generals, and you know they're like, "What's a woman doing here? Like, you know, you're not allowed to speak." And obviously, she's having none of that. So, yeah, I, you know, it's it's a good movie. <laughs> That's all I can really say. <laughs> well, I, I could say more because. I like the other scene I really like is when the Allied, not Allied forces, but <laughs> the, the forces of the U.S. and Great Britain are kind of pinned down, and she's like, "Well, we have to, we have to keep moving forward." And, and it's and it's a great moment where you get to see somebody be a superhero and try to save lives in a way. Mm-hmm. I think that's also one of the reasons why they transplanted this to World War One. You could literally have Wonder Woman fighting on no man's land. <laughs> yes, they don't. They don't call that out. I, I was expecting that line yeah, exactly. <laughs> because at one point, um, Chris Pine's character says, "Like, no, that's no man's land. You can't, you can't go out there." <laughs> and I was expecting her to re- retort with, "Like, I am no man." <laughs> exactly. But no, they don't do that, which I kind of appreciate. <laughs> yeah. And we mentioned that ragtag group of um, of soldiers that she's with. There's there's um, Steve Trevor. There's a Native American man who's a smuggler. Mm-hmm. There's a Scottish sniper. Mm-hmm. Um, who's who's, uh, who's, who's, who's again, fallen some, into the demon drink and can't really? Yeah, just, he's suffering shoots. from PTSD, which again is something that this movie doesn't sugarcoat. No, and I mean it makes it seem straight. like he gets over it quite quickly, but yeah. Well, he can't shoot straight anymore, and then uh, yeah, French actor who who was also a spy, mm-hmm. Pepe Le Pew. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it they're well characterized, but it's never really about them. Exactly. I'm su- I'm surprised because I can't remember the Scottish guy who can't um, shoot straight anymore. Earlier, it, when they're pinned down in battle, he's he's trying to take out a, another sniper in a in a church steeple and he doesn't do it. He fails. Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't have um, again. He but we never see him redeem himself, do we? <laughs> no. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So it's which again, which is what you expect to see, but also I guess it, it's not exactly subverting your expectations, but it should give you something else. Well, again, it, does, it would kind of square with the message of the movie, which is war is bad. <laughs> yeah. So if we saw him like work back up his nerves and shoot someone, then and even like the fact that he's a sniper, Wonder Woman calls him out at one point. Is like that seems very dishonorable. You know, you don't fight your enemy face to face. Yeah, a real yeah, a real warrior fights face to face. Exactly. So you so you're right. Like you would expect <laughs> the, the, him to get his rede- his redeeming moment, but no. Instead, it's about um, Diana, mm-hmm. aka Wonder Woman, and so I, I admired it for that too. Very good film.
Yeah, so I, I liked it. I think, yeah, you seem a little mild on it, though. I mean, it's it's a superhero movie. There's kind of a bad metaphor, glass ceiling to <laughs> how good superhero films can really kind of like be. On let's the, let's on the, call it, let's call it just a general ceiling. <laughs> yeah, general ceiling, fine. It but, doesn't necessarily need to be a glass ceiling. Yeah, exactly. Because we don't expect a we don't expect a superhero to literally break through <laughs> the bounds of a, of a superhero story, can mm-hmm. we? Yeah, and. When you're viewing superhero movies, you kind of have to grade them on a curve because they are kind of like mass entertainment. And this movie is very good, but it's does it again hit it all the way home? No, because it's again trying to juggle huge themes of like war and even a little bit of like free will. Because one of the big kind of conflicts in the movie is Diana has to kind of realize that humans aren't innately good most of the time. Yeah, that's like her firm belief, but again, it gets challenged over and over again, and so. It's 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 or, a, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit it's it's dealing with heady ideas that I just don't think it's kind of capable of bringing to fruition. Well, no, I because again, know, it's a superhero movie. At the end of the yeah. day, we need a big fight at the, on a tarmac with explosions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what DC's. I, I'm glad they kind of want to bring ideas to the table, but yeah, they seem incapable of <laughs> kind of exploring those ideas at the full or without it turning out to be kind of a big murky mess. Exactly. Which, Which, again, again like Marvel, go, Marvel movies don't really bother with. So, Going back to Batman v Superman, that movie also climactically ends on a big fight on a tarmac. Yeah. Just so they don't hurt anybody, John. Come no, on. No innocent people were hurt, guys. Don't worry. Yes. The, the, and importantly, there's a ticking clock element because there's going to be... There's going to be a gas attack. Speaking of the unseemly, you know, nature of World War One, <laughs> mm-hmm. they do also mention mustard gas and the and chemical warfare. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's stakes involved as well. Unlike unlike Batman v Superman, <laughs> um, Greg, they're fighting the giant alien monster at the end. Okay, yeah, they're fighting. It was totally, totally going to hurt people. They're fighting Doomsday. They're fighting yeah. Doomsday. Thank you for, John. You should host. You should host an addendum to this podcast <laughs> called the Graphic Novel Scholarly Hour, <laughs> and bring all these heady ideas to the fore. Wonder Woman was created in 1944 by. <laughs> She's an icon of feminism. <laughs> Kind of, yes. uh, and in boys' bedrooms. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of it, it, there is a there is a book I highly recommend called The Secret History of Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. and it does kind of talk about the kind of dueling origin of her. Where again, she is designed to be a kind of an icon of feminism. She's obviously inspired by the suffragettes, but also she was designed to look like a pinup girl. So it's this weird. And again, her mm-hmm. weakness is if her arms get bound, she loses all of her power. <laughs> So there's a lot well, of kink. They, they don't. They don't. I didn't know that. They didn't refer to that. In the yeah, movie. exactly. There's a lot of kinkiness in those early '40s uh, Wonder Woman comics. So check those out on your Google image search. I recommend putting the safe search off. <laughs> Thank you, John. Like I, if we are talking about heady ideas, I actually like this movie's kind of depiction of of sexuality. Yeah, because they they these are all beautiful women, but they aren't they aren't depicted like <laughs> they don't have low cut you know dresses or like <laughs> super exposed thighs or anything. They're just kind of like you know themselves. And once Chris Pine's character does come in, she's uh, she's got a you know a, a strong sense of sexuality and just you know very well, knowledgeable that, about it. Yeah, there is that bit when Steve Trevor is getting out of the bath. I thought that, that kind of made me groan a little bit. Okay. Why? Well, why? Because I th- again, I thought it was funny. Like you know, he, like he can't, <laughs> like he's flummoxed by the situation where she, where she's you know kind of nonplussed by it. I guess that's true. That I actually, yeah, that is pretty funny. Yeah, for him, it's, you know, it's a, yeah, that scene on the boat is actually very funny. 
Because, again, she has no concept of sex, really, because she's grown up on an island of all women. But, well, she knows of it, because she's read about it in a book. No, that's true. <laughs> she's very, yeah, she's a very uh, scholarly character, too, which I like. Now we're, now we're just over-explaining everything. <laughs> that's true. Well, it, uh, we'll bring that back to um, she's, she's a warrior, but she's never experienced real war until now. Mm-hmm. And that ties into she's, she's also a scholar, but she's never actually like, applied those ideas in real life mm-hmm. or outside of this Amazonian society. That's, yeah. Good yeah. characterization there. Yeah. So, there, yeah. So, you know, some of those ideas do come to the fore. Again, now they talk about it, I think I admire this movie slightly more. I mean, yeah, that's, I think that's why people like it. It's the fact that you think about it more. It's like, oh, yeah, the, you know, it is, it is working on a lot of levels. Yeah. So if it doesn't get nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, <laughs> they are a horrible sexist I organization. I am going to make a petition. I'm going to try to get mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes shut down. <laughs> I'm going to get the Academy shut down because there's a, clearly a Marvel bias. <laughs> That's what that's what it is. It's not sexism. It's the Marvel bias, which is even worse in my opinion. John, do you know where people can read about this Marvel bias? Where we're exposing it every day? Maybe on our Twitter page. Yes, on our social media channels. Yes, maybe even our Facebook page. Yeah, we're gonna blow the lid right off of this. We would have talked about this movie earlier, but we weren't invited to the women's only screening. <laughs> that was an affront to our masculinity. Speaking of deplorable. Yeah. <laughs> lock her up. Lock her up. Lock her up. You know, if, if you don't think about it, white men are really the most oppressed minority in the world. <laughs> Hashtag white genocide, guys. Yeah. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> Let's get off the... Hey. <laughs> you know, like and subscribe if you like. We're on iTunes. Write Leave us, us a write review. Us a, write us a nice review. If you if you like that comedy, that was a comedy bit. <laughs> That's meant to be ironic. Yes, we speak from irony and a, a little bit of ignorance. <laughs> Not a whole lot. We we do it to get laughs, of course. And we hope if you did get laughs, you know, subscribe on iTunes. Write mm-hmm. us a review. And join us next week. We'll even tell you what our movie's going to be. Oh, yes. What is it, John? Next week, we'll be watching Playtime. Oh, yes, the the classic Jack Tetty comedy. <laughs> oh, it's going to be delightfully droll. It's going to be rip-roaring. Get ready to <laughs> chuckle. Have a glass of rosé. I don't know why I assumed rosé is what you, what you drink when you watch a comedy, but there you go. <laughs> I anticipate my monocle will be popping off into my champagne <laughs> several times. It'll be outrageous. Mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, eat your heart out. <laughs> This Jack Tatty's coming for you. Forty years in the past. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for listening. Yep, and until next week, keep aspiring.